to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Wednesday, November the 23rd, 2022. On the feast day of Blessed Miguel Austin Pro, priest and martyr. The only real question is, if he died a martyr, why isn't he a saint yet? Hmm. Anyway, we're going to have Dr. Paul Kengor back on the program today. Praise be to God. We're going to follow up on that conversation we had last week about this brand new book out of 10 called The Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption. Great, great book. Can't recommend it enough. There's over a thousand footnotes in this book, all very well referenced. So if you're looking for like a definitive, what did she say? How did she say it? Where's the proof? Where's the evidence? Keep the receipts all in this book. We're going to talk to Paul Kingor. What does Belladad, communism, and Vatican II all have in common? Well, Dr. Kengor is going to answer that coming up at 35 past the hour. Do join us if you can. Kevin Wells is on the program today at 15 past. He's got a brand new article out over at Crisis Magazine talking about the Pope and the Synod. It's really all about making evangelization great again. Join us at 15 past for that. David L. Gray joins us at the top of the next hour. We're going to talk about why the FDA should limit access to dangerous chemical abortion drugs And uh, doctors are arguing about all of this in a brand new lawsuit. Tons of stories in the news, of course. Pope Francis has fired the top leadership at Caritas International to include Cardinal Tagli. You know, the guy who a lot of people say could be the next pope. Yeah, he just got fired. Yikes. Two Arizona election boards have delayed certification from this recent midterm election because they want more answers out of Maricopa County. Very interesting. Hey, Dr. Fauci's last day on the job was yesterday, did you know? And he used that opportunity to promote booster shots. He wants everyone to get bo- He basically says, if you don't get the booster shot, you know, it's not looking good for you this winter. That was Dr. Fauci's last day. Hey, in totally unrelated other news, a brand new documentary film called Died Suddenly has received more than 3 million views in the last 24 hours on Rumble. Those things are not related at all. The Catholic University of America, in a statement yesterday, has come out and said, quote, The Catholic University of America is committed to upholding the teachings of the Catholic Church, which includes the belief that marriage is between one man and one woman. Close quote. Praise be to God. Based. I would like to see that same statement from every Catholic university, every Catholic organization, all over this country, to include the USACB. That'd be in other fantastic. news, H2O is water. <laughs> In other news, <laughs> H2O is water. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning. It's ah. Friday. Uh, well, kind of. Sort of. We are going to be sorta. here for the next two days. Yeah. So, well, it's actually Wednesday. We do have new co- content ready to go. Thanksgiving Eve. For tomorrow. For some. And for Friday. Mm-hmm. But we personally will be at home gluttonizing once again. Oh, that is a good point, Joe. Yeah. Let's take this opportunity mm-hmm. to just just bring to mind mm-hmm. th- ah, Thanksgiving is not an opportunity for you to fall into that grave sin of gluttony. Mm-hmm. If you have to take unbutton your pants after your meal to re- to, yeah, to find relief, you've gone too far. You might have gone a you little might too have crossed far. Crossed the line a little, possibly. Bit. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. maybe. Yeah. 
So keep that in mind tomorrow, dear listener. Speaking of gluttony, Adrian Fonseca's here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Ouch. <laughs> uh, see, tell see, how me, they, see how they treat me? Tell, see how they treat he's me, He's a glutton for punishment. Tell me they, you, you moderate always, your Thanksgiving always. meal. I only eat mm-hmm. everything. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's who doesn't it. though? That's my point. Is who No, like, is uh, it okay? I was talking about this last feast? Saturday with uh with Dr. Stein and mm-hmm. tomorrow if you tune in to the show tomorrow with with Dr. Rebar, we talk about gratitude and part of the thing we talk about is mm-hmm. how we celebrate a great actually it's actually a great holiday, Thanksgiving, because we recognize giving gratitude for the things we have. Okay. But at the same time, the, the culture of the devil desires to cu- corrupt these things and say, oh, Thanksgiving, enjoying a good meal with your family? Well, let's do gluttony instead. Right. Gratitude? Oh, let's have Black Friday right afterwards and commit the sin of envy. Yeah. Um, the same thing goes for everything. Halloween, they say, oh, it's this feast of celebrating. Uh, we're getting ready for All Saints Day. Let's celebrate witches and demons. All right. Uh, so well, there you go. That's tomorrow with Dr. Rebard. So tune in for that. The podcast will be available to you if you're going to be enjoying your Thanksgiving, rightfully so. You'll be able to listen to that in the podcast, and I'm sure we'll put a video out at some point, too. The video will be out tomorrow. All right. So uh, tune in for that. Let's pray. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is not actually Friday. It's Wednesday, November the 23rd, and here are your headlines this morning. Ground News reports, evoking Castro, Putin, and Cuban leader pledged to deepen ties. Russian President Vladimir Putin and his Cuban counterpart, Miguel Diaz-Canel, unveiled a monument in North Moscow Square, in a North Moscow Square, that is, on Tuesday to Cuban revolutionary leader Fidel Castro, pledging to deepen their friendship in the face of U.S. sanctions against both countries. The Washington Examiner reports, consumer sentiment on housing falls to record low as Fed hikes rates. About four out of five consumers describe home buying conditions as bad, according to the University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Survey for this month. That's the highest number recorded by the survey, which goes back to 1978. Sales of existing homes have fallen for a ninth straight month and are now at the lowest level since 2020. Existing home sales plunged by nearly 6% in October. Sales were down nearly 30% from a year ago. The Epic Times reports 10% of California legislature identifies as so-called LGBTQ. At least 519 so-called out LGBTQ candidates one elected office this year in positions ranging from school board up to Congress and governor. That's a record well up from 2020 when 336 so-called LGBTQ candidates won. According to Equality California, they calculate that California is the first state to pass the 10% threshold. You can imagine how that's going to be for anything, at legislature regardless. Breitbart reports chaos in briefing room as press secretary saves Fauci from questions on COVID origins in his farewell presser, saying, quote, We have a process here. I'm not calling on people who yell, and you're being disrespectful to our colleagues, and you're being disrespectful to our guests. 
White House Press Secretary Jean-Pierre said while glaring at a reporter in one of the back rows. Then, entering a back-and-forth with reporters, one argued that they were having a press briefing and she needs to call from people across the room and that she had a valid question. Saying, quote, she's asking about the origin of COVID-19. Dr. Fauci is the best person to answer, unquote. Jean-Pierre responded by stating, I hear your question, but we're not doing it the way you want to do it. I'm done. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Felicitas. He, the biography here is by Saint Gregory the Great. From a sermon on Blessed Felicitas. Consider, dear brothers, this man's heart in a woman's body. Before death, she stood without fear. She feared to lose the light of the truth in her sons if she kept them alive. Shall I call this woman a martyr? She is more than a martyr, since she died seven times before her own death, by each of the seven wages of love which she sent to precede her in the kingdom. The mother saw the death of her sons with great suffering, but without fear. She mixed the joy of hope with the pain of nature. She feared for them to live. She rejoices at their death. She wished to leave none after her, lest in order to preserve one of them as a survivor, she could not keep him as a companion in heaven. Let none of you imagine, dear brothers, that seeing her sons die, the heart of this mother did not vibrate with natural tenderness. Her sons, whom she knew to be her own flesh, she could not but see them die with pain, but she had within her a strong enough love to overcome the pain of flesh. Felicitas loved her sons as nature intended, but for the sake of the heavenly fatherland, she wished that those whom she loved should die. And even in her presence, it was she who felt their wounds, but it was she who multiplied herself, so to speak, in the person of the sons who preceded her to the kingdom. With reason I call this woman more than a martyr, for in her ardor she died in each one of her sons, and thus reached a many-fold martyrdom. She carried away a palm that exceeded that of the other martyrs. The ancients had the custom that the council would hold office for a fixed period of time, but if one of them became council for the second or third time, he surpassed in praise and dignity those who had this position only once. Therefore, blessed Felicitas surpassed the martyrs in their glory, for she died as many times as the sons she had, who died for Christ before her. Her love for God was such that her own death was far from sufficient. Saint Felicitas, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke 21, verses 12 through 19. Jesus said to the crowd, They will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons. And they will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead to your giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. 
because by your perseverance you will secure your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Ignatius Catholic Commentary today says disciples must fearlessly identify with Jesus. Despite opposition, persecution will provide opportunities to proclaim the gospel. Jesus demands heroic allegiance that may drive a wedge between family members. Whether martyred or persecuted, the faithful will gain their lives by laying them down for Christ. Close quote. Uh, I like that. Disciples must fearlessly identify with Jesus. Is that something that identifies your life? Do you fearlessly identify with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Maybe we should contemplate that today. The applicant would say, For because they were foolish and inexperienced, the Lord tells them this, that they might not be confounded when about to give an account to the wise. And he adds the cause. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay or resist. As if he said, Ye shall forthwith receive of me eloquence and wisdom, so that all your adversaries, were they gathered together in one, shall not be able to resist you, neither in wisdom, that is, the power of the understanding, nor in eloquence, that is, excellence of speech. For many men have often wisdom in their mind, but being easily provoked to their great disturbance, mar the whole when their time of speaking comes. But not such were the apostles, for in both these gifts they were highly favored. Close quote, the obligate. St. Gregory the Great would say, quote, But because of the hard things foretold concerning the affliction of death, there immediately follows a, con- a consolation concerning the joy of the resurrection, when it is said, But there shall not be a, a hair of your head that, that will perish, as though he said to the martyrs, Why fear ye the perishing of that which, when cut, pains, when that cannot perish in you, which, when cut, gives no pain? Close quote, St. Gregory. What does he mean? Well, it kind of reminds me of Matthew chapter 10. Fear not the one who can kill the body, but rather fear the one who can take body and soul and cast it into hell. I think that's what St. Gregory is getting at here. Do you fearlessly identify with the Lord? Have you made your decision to stand with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, even if your own family member should betray you? Are you prepared to give an account for the hope that lies within, even if it should cost you your life? We should meditate on these things today, because if we are not prepared to make that decision, are we prepared to enter heaven at all? We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Atheists claim they don't need God to be a good person, implying God's not relevant to morality. But is this true? Well, atheists can be good in the sense of knowing behaviors that respect the goods of human nature and living accordingly. St. Paul acknowledges this natural moral law in Romans chapter 2. But this doesn't mean God is irrelevant when it comes to morality. And here's the reason. Besides God's grace being necessary to live the moral law perfectly and merit heaven, God is necessary for the law to be morally binding. How can the moral law be binding if there's no moral law giver behind it that surpasses human authority? The answer is, it can't. So an atheist can follow the natural moral law, but only the theist is consistent in saying that such a law is morally obligatory. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com.
So many of us carry such heavy burdens. You're crazy! Deep within, we struggle. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. Because sin separates us from God. She's got a relationship with George. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLeod. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Dr. Paul Kengor is back on the program to talk about his latest book that he co-authored, uh, with uh, Dr. Mary Nichols. It's called The Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption. We talked to him last week. We kind of got to the crux of the matter. Did Bella Dodd actually help infiltrate the Catholic Church with communists? Well, we want to follow up on that. Let's talk about Vatican II. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. Do join us if you can. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Kevin Wells. He has got a brand new article out called The Pope and the Synod. Hangman of the Great Commission. Good morning to you, Kevin Wells. Hey, Joe. Great to be great to be back with you this morning. Yeah, praise be to God. Thanks for joining us. I, I enjoyed going through your article over there, crisismagazine.com. And I think you're touching on something that many Catholics are feeling today. And that uh, something I was addressing with uh, the, my commentary on the midterms. At the end of the day, no vote is going to change society and make it uh, into the reign of Mary. Only the bishops can decide that we are going to convert every single soul for God's glory and for their own salvation. And yet it seems to me, and many Catholics are very concerned, that uh, most bishops are sitting on the sidelines and there it doesn't seem to be a real drive to convert souls. And I think your article touches on that. What say you, Kevin Wells? Yeah, Joe, I... Um... I, I do think, I think we all sense it, that we're in the midst of some kind of strange civilizational collapse. Um, it's going all around. We could we can name all the ways, but we don't want to bore the listener. It's just happening. And you would think that during this time, the prophetic voice, you know, the blazing furnace of you just mentioned St. Gregory the Great, he did it better than anyone else, or mm. as well as anyone else, would proclaim the fullness of the gospel, but but as we collapse societally and really as we collapse in the church, as people bleed out, um, you know, we, we we put forth such things as the synod and synodality, you know, this listening church, this accompanying church, this this church that removes barriers. And I'm and Joe, I'm just not sure that's the right way. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not really moving the ball. And we've seen that, right? The numbers don't lie. Kara uh, statistics held at the uh, University of Georgetown's website. Anybody can Google them and read them for themselves. Over the past 50, 60 years, you've seen a total collapse in uh, religious vocations, in priestly vocations, uh, sacramental baptisms, sacramental marriages, uh, parishes that are closing down. By the way, some dioceses just sell those buildings off and they become, you know, tennis courts or build, you know, uh, a complex uh, like condos or things like that. Uh, the numbers over and over and over paint a very bad picture in our church today, and uh, people are leaving more than they come. So you'd think at some point we would say, this isn't working, we've got to do something different. But nonetheless, there seems to be a doubling and a tripling down here that we just must be accompanying people in whatever sinful state they're in in life without actually 
getting them, accompanying them to some place. That seems to be the missing element. Yeah, I mean, why in the world would the Catholic Church, the last of the Mohicans that stands on the hill with what Jesus whispered into Peter's ear 2,000 years ago, why would we want to go down the road of liberal Protestantism? Why would we want to diminish uh, God's revealed truth as a church? It, it, it makes no sense, but it does seem that we are going down that road. Um, you know, it, it, we, Joe, we know, you know, we need to listen to our wives, our, our neighbor. Um, you know, we need to listen to folks in a, and, you know, love them where they are. But I'll tell you what, Joe, uh, <laughs> my eight or my seven siblings, we couldn't, we couldn't, my dad would listen to us, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't oblige what we asked him to do to right. father us better. Like we'd say, I want ice cream every night. I want to stay up till two in the morning. I want my girlfriend to come over every night. You know, he would listen, but he'd say, uh, nope. And I couldn't tell my, you know, my high school baseball coach, hey, you <laughs> manage pretty well, but he, I want you to manage this way. He would listen to me, but he'd say, hey, Wells, take a seat on the bench. You're done. <laughs> so I don't know why this church of 2000 years needs to listen to the most thinly catechized generations of Catholics that I argue in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. So I understand listening, but, but why would they want to take in what we have to really um, sort of offer? Because a lot of it just, it's just not right. Yeah. In your article, you, you set up this scenario where you were flying back from Mexico and uh, you sat next to a stranger and you struck up a conversation and she was telling you all about her life and her life's choices and you listened the whole way, but then you waited and you had that moment, and the Holy Ghost is so good like this, to give you these moments to try to plant a seed. And that was the scenario in which you talked about that. And then later in your article, you say, quote, because more and more the Catholic Church has encouraged uh, annihilation of this form of proselytization, the ongoing synod of synodality seems uh, is another cog in the wheel of the Church's industrialization of the crushing of Catholic evangelization, where malformed or Christ-blind individuals are left to dangle, left to graze in a pagan world without being inconvenienced with proclamation of the blazing furnace of the gospel. You know, I remember reading Paul VI, uh, uh, Evangeline Nunziandi, and he talked, he mentions, he quotes, you know, the, the famous quote uh, that everybody attributes to St. Francis, uh, preach always the gospel and sometimes use words. He even points out that Francis actually never said that. Uh, and he even points out in Evangelii Nunciandi, this is Pope Paul VI, for my, mind you, he says, we have to use words. <laughs> like, yes, you should live your life as though uh, you don't have to use words. Your life itself should be a witness, praise be to God. But you have to use words. He makes that explicitly clear. And yet today... We're being told that if we should dare try to plant a seed in someone's heart by using these specific words, we might be the bad guy. Yeah, man, that's uh, I was always suspect of that uh, that misquote of St. Francis of Assisi because it, you know, some of the greatest uh, atheists and agnostics in the world look like they're preaching the gospel of the God they do not know. They they look like Christians. Um, so so yes, you must use words. So you you mentioned the young lady sitting next to me, well, she did not know God. She did not know the truth. She shared some things. You know, she was very successful, very wealthy, um, had really was on the fast track. I, I liked her a lot, but but um, the things she was sharing with me, so as you said, Joe, I listened as the synod, tell me, the synod leaders tell me to do, and I listened some more, and I saw someone 
whose soul, I'll be frank now, um, was not on the right track uh, as far as eternity. So finally, I spoke um, after about half an hour of listening, and I shared the gospel because what else can I do? Mm. What else does God, what else would God have me do than to share with this Christ-barren soul who He is? Yeah. I think uh, my own time on airplanes, I've had just a few opportunities to do something very similar to this. Most of the time, people just do their own thing. They don't uh, put the headphones in. They take naps. They listen to content. They they avoid conversation altogether. And uh, it's fascinating when we do get into conversation how quickly it lands on something like on religion, on faith, on God. And uh, it's I think it's a testament to how people are desperate for truth, if they're being honest. Maybe they don't realize it, and maybe they wouldn't characterize it that way, but it, in their heart of hearts, they're desperate for a light to shine into their darkness, wouldn't you say? Yeah, Joe, you just nailed it. Um, so often folks um, will sense in you, sitting next to them, a willingness, you know, just by your smile or maybe the way you, you got up and politely let them sit down or you ask them how their day was going. They sense something in you that is a, you know, kind of a rightness to you. So when they see that, um, I guess there's that pathway to sort of share with them more deeply. And there is that there is that um, desire in them. I believe, I've come to believe anyway, in, on, on planes and different uh, places that they do want to hear uh, what you know. Uh, there is that desperation. I, I don't know if I call it desperation, but there is that desire to want to hear about the God that you know. Yeah. It's really interesting to me. You know, I was listening to a friend of mine was telling me yesterday and I was trying to trying to find the where he talked about it. He said he was uh, got a new job recently, and he was saying that while they were at talking, they were introducing themselves in this job, he was uh, telling them about himself how he liked history. He said that his fun fact was that he loved history, and afterwards what his uh, boss asked, oh, I'm curious about your, your take on religion, because he also mentioned that he was very religious. So he started sharing about the Catholic faith, and he got, he got chastised <laughs> later on for bringing it up, and he said, I was just answering questions. And uh, that, and sure enough, they're like, "Oh, okay. Well, yeah. She asked you. Then I guess you can, you can, you're allowed to respond." And so it's really interesting that you you talk about using words and and just presenting your faith as something that's integral to your life. People will ask questions. They're curious about people that are like that, don't you think, uh, Mr. Wells? Yeah, and what I'll say to that, Adrian, is you brought up a great point. So if you sense the person on the plane, for instance, is is it history buff? Well, then you get into the church doctors. If, if the guy in the plane next to you is funny, well, well, you, you, you sort of get into Philip Neary or some of the funnier incidents in church history. If the guy likes sports, well, you dig in about his favorite team, but you bend it towards sort of the NFL sideline chaplain that you know. So you, you find the person where they are and, and you sort of reclaim that lost Catholic territory that they do not know. So, you know, you, you're sort of a connoisseur of their soul, connoisseur of their interest. You find your opening and you just walk in. I think there's a danger here, or at least a difficulty to say the least, in that um, for those that work in evangelization full time, I think uh, the Synod can send very confusing messages to the faithful, making it kind of harder to do our jobs. There also seems to be sort of a... I think it can be confusing to people around the world to, to think that the church, the members of the church, the hierarchy of the church, somehow are indicating that all religions are equal. When they put out statements, confusing statements with, like, say, the Muslims, says Pope Francis has done, or in, in the Synod when they're talking about proselytization or, 
or accompaniment. I think they they send out these confusing messages, and oftentimes we don't receive the clarity that Holy Mother Church is supposed to provide. Um, and those of us who have to work in evangelization can can have a, a more difficult time in doing what we feel called to do, which which is the job of every Catholic on planet Earth, by the way. If you're baptized and confirmed, you're expected to be a martyr, a witness for Christ, and to identify with him fiercely, as I said in the Gospel Reflection today. Do you, do you see that same level of difficulty, or do we just ignore all of this and just do what we're supposed to do? Joe, I don't see it. It's a reality. There, there is no mapping of boundaries in the synod of synodality. I, I think what really at the crux of it all is that there was a wholesale, in my opinion, I think there's a wholesale rejection of that what's called the census fide. And what's the census fide? It's it's sort of the um, the spiritual instinct, the supernatural appreciation of the faith by uh, the people down the millennia, down down the history of the Catholic Church. It's just what the the people knew was true. So so that's been dismissed, it seems to me, by cardinals, bishops, you know, Hollerick and Greich, these synodal leaders uh, from Europe, and even the USCCB, when they when they gathered all these folks throughout different dioceses to get their opinions, the, the census fide was rejected. So so essentially in that room where people shared their opinions uh, on what the church should be according to them. Um, there was no brakeman in the room. <laughs> like there was no the- theologian or holy Catholic priest saying, well, I understand why you want to take your dog to mass with you, but let's see what church doctors say in this, or let's Amen. see how we've handled this in the past. Amen. Well, that wasn't done. So there was wild stallions in these rooms that just sort of broke out with their own opinions, and that was brought to, to Rome. We are out of time. Kevin Wells, check out his article at crisismagazine.com. Thank you, Kevin. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that most people think that rules apply to others but not to themselves? They always consider themselves to be the exception. But what ends up happening is that everybody is an exception, and so the rules don't apply to anybody. The result is something worse than chaos. It's a loss of all the categories of respect and justice. G.K. Chesterton says that When the exception has become the rule, that is the worst of all possible tyrannies. When the Cardinal, formerly known as Ratzinger, gave his final homily before the papal conclave, he said, we are living under the tyranny of relativism. What is relativism? It's when there are no rules, only exceptions. The man about to become Pope was echoing Chesterton exactly. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. Reuters reports, Biden administration reverses student loan promise. 
The White House is extending the pause on federal student loan payments to June 30th, 2023, as the Biden administration battles at the Supreme Court to put President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness policy into effect. The decision represents a reversal of Biden's vow in August to end the COVID-era student loan payment pause in December. LifeSite News reports French bishop sanctions priest for saying abortion has killed more than World War I. An elderly priest at the head of uh, 17 small parishes in the east of France has been barred from speaking in public by his diocesan superiors for four weeks because he declared that the worldwide number of victims of abortion was far higher than that of the First World War. Father Francois Schneider made the controversial statement while preaching during the commemorative mass on Armistice Day on November 11th in the tiny village of Bertrimotier. <laughs> Abortion has killed more people worldwide than the Great War, he said, adding that the French politicians would be well inspired to follow the example of the Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban who promotes a pro-birth policy and takes courageous decisions. And the Washington Examiner reports Associated Press fires reporter over erroneous story on Russian missile attack. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things, Rudy. It's easy for you to say, isn't it? Bertrand Mottier. Oh, now there you we nail go. It. Now you nail it. I spelled it out phonetically, and I still mess it up. Bertrand Mottier. It's not easy, is it? No, it's, it's not. not easy. It's especially not French. Well, praise be to God. Thanks for keeping us up to date. Hey, last week we had a great conversation with Dr. Paul Kengor about this brand new book, "The Devil and Belladad: One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption." We really got to the heart of the did Bella ever actually say, claim that she helped to infiltrate the Catholic Church, the communist? And if so, what did she do? And can it be proven? That was a fantastic conversation. Or We're going to link to it uh, in the email again coming out this Friday. So make sure you're on our CDT Insider email at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Join today. But he joins us once again by Zoom chat to continue that conversation. Good morning to you, Dr. Ken Gore. Hi, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. I am alive and that counts. How are you? I'm good. Happy uh, pre-Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Amen. Eve. <laughs> Amen. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. I want to jump right in, and I want to start with this uh, on page 284. You're, you're quoting Sister Lucia dos Santos in 1958, who wrote to Pope Pius Twelfth, And uh, she said, Your Holiness is aware of the existence of the so-called secret of Fatima enclosed in a sealed envelope that can be opened after the beginning of the year 1960. Although I cannot talk about the text contained therein because the time is approaching, I must say that in the 60s, in the 60s, communism will reach its high point, which can be diminished in intensity and duration and which must be followed by the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the reign of Christ, close quote. You go on to talk about Vatican II and communism, uh, after, again, the context of Belladad and the Communist Party trying to infiltrate the Church, and you talk about how there was like 378 bishops before the Council all wanted the Council to deal forthrightly with communism, and yet Vatican II didn't address communism. Tell us what's going on here in context of your book. Yeah, I think this is one of the biggest failures of Vatican II. And, and, and really, when, when you look at it, the full sweep of it, so you, so you had Pope John XXIII first, right, who starts Vatican II. 
And then he died into it, and and then came Pope Paul VI, right? From what 1963 to 1978, and 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 Paul VI, who is a saint, the you know the the Pope of Humanae Vitae, and you know just a great pope in so many ways. But when it came to communism, he pursued what was known as Ostpolitik in Europe or détente in the United States, and it was this policy of learning to get along with the communists, learning to get along with the Soviet Union. And that was pursued bipartisan in the United States by Republican Presidents Richard Nixon, who was considered you know, a hawk in foreign policy, Gerald Ford, his successor, Jimmy Carter, the Democrat. And you know, they all believed that the best way to manage the Cold War was treaties and trade. Right. Mm-hmm. We've got to find a way to reduce the likelihood of a confrontation of a nuclear exchange. So so you know, their view was we need to accept that Eastern Europe is behind the Iron Curtain. It's in the Soviet so-called sphere of influence. Let's not rock the boat. Let's not have World War Three. Now, that's replaced by this Polish pope. Right. John Paul II, who comes in in 1978, Ronald Reagan in the United States, people like Margaret Thatcher, others. And Reagan said, look, detente is immoral because it sells out the people of Eastern Europe. It is not a moral policy to tell the people of Poland, of Hungary, of Czechoslovakia, of East Germany, that everything is okay for them if we make a deal with their slave masters and keep them in this permanent status quo where they have no religious freedom, no freedom of speech, no no right to vote behind the Iron Curtain. So Reagan said, and he and John Paul II agreed on this, that the best approach was to reverse communism in Eastern Europe to try to peacefully win the Cold War. So to, to go back to Vatican II, that was not how Vatican II looked at it. And a lot of the bishops at the time were really bothered by this. They wanted the church to do what it had been doing since Qui Pluribus was published by Pope Pius IX in 1846, two years before the Communist Manifesto was even published. They wanted the church to, to strongly condemn communism. But you know, certain forces intervened at Vatican II, and the best that they could do, Joe, was come up with some footnotes. <laughs> yeah. Footnotes to the documents. So there's these, these unpublished um, you know, edicts against communism from Vatican II, and it just utterly failed to condemn what the church in 1937 called the satanic scourge of communism. It was a real failure in that regard. Yeah, I, a lot of Catholics are now having great difficulty with Vatican II as a result to this and other issues that came out of the Council. And, uh, and as I mentioned in the last segment, we have 60 years of terrible numbers uh, in the church, and uh, people... People feel like they're tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorists, but at the same time, the numbers don't lie. The church has suffered so much since the council. Uh, and well, and when you look, yeah, and when you look at things like like liberation theology, yeah, um, what's what's happened with the Jesuits? I mean, there are many really good Jesuits, but but I mean, look at um, the flagship publication of American Jesuits is called America Magazine, and in July 2019. They published a piece called The Catholic Case for Communism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would have never <laughs> seen that right. uh, pre-Vatican II under any of the popes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that's an astonishing thing to see. Speaking of uh, liberation theology, I'm, I have the book in my hand, Liberation Theology, How Marxism Infiltrated the Catholic Church by Mr. Julio Laredo. 
who I have uh, that. We had him on uh, not too long ago when the book came out. He we we had him in the studio. And when I was uh, thinking about this, in in your book, you talk about how they were primarily infiltrating the Dominicans in 1936. And I thought that was really interesting because I remember reading in this book um, how the Dominicans in South America were huge and pushing for liberation theology. And I was like, oh, wow, that's that's really fascinating. And this was prior to the Second Vatican Council, which was uh, resulted in Professor Plinio writing his In Defense of Catholic Action, uh, with the basic Christian communities uh, popping up in South America and in the U.S., which are these kind of communist homes, uh, so to speak. Uh, could you speak a little bit about that situation? Yeah, I was really surprised about that as well, because today the, 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 the Dominican order in the United States, I mean, they are just a rock. Right. I mean, they're fantastic. Uh, you know, the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C. But but back in those days, they were looking to penetrate these orders and different committees and groups anywhere that they possibly could. There's a group called the Catholic Committee for Human Rights you know, that came up under literal congressional hearings as a possible communist front group. And some of the people that we quote in The Devil and Bella Dodd that will surprise people Dorothy Day's Catholic worker made a beautiful stand against communism on the front page. We quoted at length in the 1930s, uh, 34, 35, they were rejecting what was the, the so-called outstretched hand of Earl Browder, the head of Communist Party USA, who was trying to make common ground um, with the Catholic Church. And, and Dorothy Day's daily worker came forward and said, Look, we, we may agree with you on things like helping the poor, better working conditions, re maybe redistributing some wealth, but you folks have a strictly materialistic view of the world. You deny the existence of God. You do not believe in the supernatural, right? Our church has said that communism is an evil, right? No, we cannot agree with communists. So they were really good at making these, these distinctions, by the way, in a way that progressive and liberal Catholics today are not. And, and, and there, there have been progressives and liberals in the past, even people like Woodrow Wilson, right? The progressives progressive who were telling yeah. fellow progressives in the 1910s, um, look, we might agree with the communists again on some of these things, but these people are barbarians. They are terrorists. These people are bad news. You don't go that far to the left. Mm -hmm. So they were able to better draw these nuances and lines of distinction in ways that people today in the church who are not informed on these issues are, are not able to do. And by the way, I blame a lot of this, not just on schools, but on Catholic colleges that are not faithfully Catholic anymore and have, um, have completely Amen. failed to teach these things. Amen. Hold that thought. Dr. Paul Kengor is our guest again. The book is The Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption, published by Tan, tanbooks.com. Great book. I mean, just really really good book. I've enjoyed reading this book, and we're going to continue the conversation. How did Bella meet Fulton Sheen? And why did Fulton Sheen prevent her from naming names? All that and more coming up next. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know. And now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has an on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Hey, David L. Gray is going to be our guest at the top of the next hour. We're going to be talking about why the FDA should uh, limit, should limit access, I would say not provide at all, abortifacients uh, to, to women. And we're going to have that conversation with David L. Gray. Join us if you can. Dr. Paul Kengore is our guest, co-author of this book, The, Della, uh, the Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption. Tanbooks.com is where I would tell you to go get it. Uh, very, very good stuff. Uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen noted, quote, that the infiltration of seminaries began in 1936. At that time, the average age of man entering the seminary was between 18 or 20 years old, with uh, priestly ordinations around 23 to 27 years old. Thus, people who had entered the seminary in 1936 would have been ordained in 41-43. That would make them approximately 45 to 60 years old at the time of the council. Uh, that comes to us on page 291. Now, I, I start there again to go, golly gee whiz, uh, the fruit of the communist effort to infiltrate the church, Bella Dodds and her colleagues, I mean, it was ripe for the picking at one of the most pivotal times in church history when this council comes together, and as we were talking about in the last segment. But now I want to switch back to Bella Dodd. She gets out. She wants out. She kind of has a, a, an awakening. You have a great chapter on that where she starts to lose faith in the communist way of life, in their, uh, in their uh, philosophy. She realizes it's an abusive system, and she wants out. But that's not easy. It's kind of like the mob. When you're in, you, you kind of mm-hmm. don't get out. Can you speak to that, Dr. Ken Gore? Yeah, well, it's exactly right. And in fact, she described it as even worse than that. She described it as extricating herself from the devil, right, from from the evil of communism. So so she eventually, Joe, came to agree with her church that that communism was satanic. And and I mean, that bad, that not just a bad thing, but but right from the pit of hell. And, and she started trying to pull away. She she had this moment in 1951 where she went to visit her congressman in D.C. because she's an attorney and she's trying to make money. She's trying. She's been so smeared by the party, which called her a racist, an anti-Semite, you know, anti-Negro, anti-Puerto Rican. Those were the words they used in their press release. They would have called her a homophobe, I'm sure, or or, uh, anti-trans if those words were, were around back then. But she meets with Congressman McGrath. And, and he said, he said, you know, isn't there something I can do for you, Bella? I could tell that you're hurting. And, and she said, no, I've got the KGB following me and the FBI following me. 
Hmm. And he said, how about how about seeing a priest? And she said from like her, from the, her, her inner part, she said, yes, hmm. yes, I want to see a priest. So so he had he went to his secretary, Rose, and said, see if you can find Monsignor Sheen from Catholic University. Wow. If you can get him on the phone. So they, they called over and, and he said, yes, send her over to my house in Chevy Chase, Maryland. I'll see her tonight. <laughs> so she walked in and, and she, she said it was amazing. He came out just like he did on the television screen, right? His wow. silver cross gleaming, <laughs> this warm smile in his eyes, you know, this, this pectoral clo- uh, cross. And he held out his hand and, and he said, uh, doctor, he called her doctor. He said, I'm glad, I'm glad you've come. And and she said, Joe, that, you know, had had he been like the Bolsheviks and, mm-hmm. and the Communist Party USA members and the way that that they treated her, that they treated her, he might have said, uh, you know, you old Bolshevik bag, what are you doing yeah. in here? Yeah. But instead, he was all mercy, all kindness. He said, I'm glad you came. You look unhappy. And, and she said, well, why would you say that? And he said, well, in some way, we priests are like doctors. And we can diagnose a patient, you know, just just by looking at him. She began to cry. She began to weep. And he put his hand on her shoulder and said, you know, there, there, just let it go. Let it go. And and she just started weeping. And she said it took she don't know how it happened. But a few minutes later, without even realizing it, the next thing she knows, they're both on their knees together before a statue of the Blessed Mother in the chapel. And he he gave her a rosary. He talked to her more. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be going back to New York to his offices for the Society for the Propagation of the Faith in the winter. And why don't you come and talk to me and take instruction to come back into the Catholic Church of your youth? Mm, And she did. She did. And she was baptized at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York on April 7th, 1952. That's incredible. You know, there's so much to say about Fulton Sheen. He's just all class and uh, God, golly, <laughs> I just wish you know there was there was more priests today that uh, that would emulate his style. You know, his uh, his his real love for souls. And there's a lot to say also about you know their relationship. Uh, Fulton Sheen, if I'm not mistaken, he he goes on to become her spiritual director. So. There's uh, there's some nuance there. There's there's obviously some things that are private that will never come out. But I'm wondering, you know, we had a conversation here in the studio after we we interviewed you uh, last week. You know, why was it that Fulton Sheen prevented her from naming these names, these these communists? Because this is obviously it's affecting the whole church, the entirety of the church. Why not uh, allow her to say the names? Yeah, it's a good question, Rudy. And if you, but if you really think about it, the idea people might say today, well, Sheen didn't want to cause scandal, right? Yeah. And and people might say, well, was it really that scandalous? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. today you might have publications, Jesuit publications, writing articles like the Catholic Case for Communism, but in the 1930s, I, I mean, 1937, the year after Bella started this in 1936. The church releases an, an encyclical called Divini Redemptoris describing communism as a satanic scourge mm-hmm. right out of the pit of hell. Uh, the, the Pope Pius XII issues a papal decree on communism telling any Italians that if they vote for the Communist Party, they're excommunicated. Telling Catholic publications wow. that if they print anything positive, 
about communism, they're excommunicated. Jesuit uh, America magazine would have been excommunicated 60 years ago for, for that piece. So the idea to find out from a woman who was one of the highest ranking members of the Communist Party and definitely maybe the highest ranking among, among women in the party, that, that the church had been infiltrated with, with uh, the planning of communists as priests in seminaries would have been really scandalous. So he, he said to her, and, 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 she, and she said, Rudy, I'm going to go into the most penitential order on the planet, Bishop Sheen, wow. to make reparation for the rest of my life for Amen. what I've done. And he said, no, here's what I want you to do. And it was what Pius XI told him. I want you to spend the rest of your life warning people about the dangers of communism. That's how you can make reparation. And mm. yet, three weeks after that, after he brought her into the church, April 7th, 1952, an article appeared on the front page of the New York Times saying Fulton Sheen in church, St. Susanna Church in Rome, warns of a red infiltration in the priesthood. Mm. So Sheen himself kind of couldn't help, <laughs> but at least on one occasion, when he got there in Rome, maybe not knowing reporters were there, said that. But he never said it again, as you, far as I can tell. He you know, never said it again. I, he knew how scandalous that, that this would be. I'm thinking of, when you're saying this, the, the book Goodbye, Good Man that came out in 2002 by Michael Rose and how they, they talks about the, the fact that good men were kicked out of the seminary and bad men were pushed through the seminary. And it blew my mind reading this um, way back when, because I believe this came out in 2002. And this uh, sounds like, like you said, like he, so Fulton Sheen does this. However, in retrospect and looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty. Would it have been better if we had just revealed it all and Fulton Sheen not have it kind of hush-hush and kind of fight it from the inside and maybe shine some light on it? Yeah, maybe so, Adrian. Although you look, we we did win the Cold War uh, ultimately, um, but you know, but now it's back again. And I've had I've had people, I've had priests tell me about being in a seminary and having, you know, an older priest or professor there saying things like, well, you know, that kind of sounds like, you know, strident McCarthyism, right? Anti-communism, right? You know, criticizing them for being too anti-communist. Mm -hmm. And imagine that. Imagine the response should have been, wait a second, you know, sir, you know, Monsignor or whoever. Our church described communism as a satanic scourge. Right. Yeah. Uh, we, we ought to be criticizing this. Amen. But the kind of the if that spirit of Vatican II is correct, they didn't want any condemnation of communism, or at least the people that were coming out of that milieu that Belladon was part of. So that could be part of a larger, if not infiltration, maybe kind of infestation of the church. Yeah. And again, look at Marxist liberation theology which prompted John Paul II when he got to Nicaragua to, you know, say to that bishop, you know, shook his finger at him, right? You cannot support this stuff. Um, even, even Pope Francis said in 2013, the Marxist ideology is wrong. And then he said, but I have many friends who are Marxists. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that, that's part of the whole problem. The church said it's wrong. Confusing. And so being a loyal pope there, he's saying, yeah, it's wrong. But then again, I got a lot of good friends who are Marxists, and you wonder who are some of those good friends who are Marxists. You know, Were some of them priests in Argentina. That's yeah, a problem, man. Exactly. And then, of course, uh, post World War II, you had the flight of high-ranking Nazis into Argentina and other parts of Latin America. So, how much did they fan the flame of socialism 
and Marxism in right. Latin America that only made it even that much more worse. So you've got the out-and-out Soviet communists working uh, through the Comintern, and then you've got uh, so, uh, socialists, national socialists and fascists, uh, who are all competing for their version of Marxism. It's a it's an internal civil war, but it's the same spectrum uh, and, and on the same and slippery slope. And that's what slope. Nazism was. Exactly. Right, Joe? I mean, exactly. Nazi, Nazi, it was the German National Socialist Workers' Party, right? And, um, but, 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 you know, so Sheen told her this could cause a major scandal. And I got to share this quickly. I think this is a really touching story. Bella Dodd was not in good health, and she ends up going in for gallbladder surgery, fairly routine at St. Vincent Hospital in New York in 1969, and she went into a coma. Her friends were shocked, and she's dying, and they're, they're looking for a priest. Can we get a priest in here? Bishop Sheen just happens to show up to visit her at the hospital, and she's in a coma for days. And she opens her eyes one time and looks up, and he's standing there. Wow. And, and he looks at her, makes the sign of the cross. They could tell in her eyes that she recognized him. He gives her the anointing of the sick and then sends her off into the next world. And so just imagine kind of the heroic role that somebody like a Fulton Sheen played played in the life of Belladot. And man, she made good in that promise to him yeah. in 1952 through 1969 to warn the world and, and the country about communism and communist influence. And really, yeah. she's still warning us today. Wow. To well, we are out of time, and that is exactly how I wanted you to end it. Uh, what a great story that is. All in this book, <laughs> The Devil and Belladot, over a thousand footnoted references. It's really a great book if you're looking for a confirmation. You know, where are the receipts on Belladon? They're right here. Go to tanbooks.com, The Devil and Belladon, Dr. Paul Kingore. God bless you. God love you. Thank you and happy Thanksgiving to you. All Same right. to you, Joe. Thanks, guys. God bless. David O. Gray is coming up next hour. Join us. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We'll see you back. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Sometimes it can seem that our family life is humdrum, monotonous, and insignificant. But Christ began his public ministry at the wedding at Cana. When we read this account in the gospel, we're reminded that our marriage, our ordinary family life, is important to God. Our Lord and Our Lady love our families, and they are present with us. They desire to change what is ordinary into the extraordinary. The Lord can take our simple and everyday tasks and make them holy. Like the servants at the wedding at Cana, we need to notice when we run out of wine we run out of joy, when we run out of love, it is then that we turn to Our Lady and ask for her help. She can bring Christ into our lives, our ordinary water, and transform it into wine. And when we invite Christ into our lives to transform us, He creates the best wine of all. For more advice, ideas, and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyProject.org. 
Giordani, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, you are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hello everyone out there in Catholic Radio. I'm Lamont from St. Teresa's Parish, and you're listening to KSHJ 1430 AM Catholic Radio, Houston. Enjoy the buffet of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Grazing. Grazing all day. Now our mashed potatoes. Are you guys a uh, like lunchtime? Rolls. Do you like do you like Get the turkey out for lunch, or do you Corn? like go between lunch and dinner ish? Like a lupper. You mean like when is the Thanksgiving? Like a do event? you do it? Do you do it like a lupper? Like a a sunch? Like between lunch and dinner, lunch and supper, or do you do do you do you bless the turkey, say your grace at lunchtime? Or do you wait for like it 3 depends, o'clock? It depends on who you ask, right? Like mm-hmm. Southerners, mm-hmm. as we discovered last week, will mm-hmm. say that lunch is actually Mm-hmm. Later in the day, is it? And then they say supper is actually dinner. See, yeah. our so, family has that a tradition. Didn't answer my question. Our family has yeah. a tradition, Joe. <laughs> when do you? Uh, we always, always without fail, mm-hmm. eat the food when it's ready. Really? Yeah. So no matter the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're not beholden to our time of tradition. Uh, well, you're that, like that is our tradition. It's ten o'clock. Food's ready. Yep. Let's do this because it's, your mom's going to get up at five a in the morning. Never ready just to get the turkey up and into the oven. <laughs> Usually, it's so like that's the thing. We it's different every mm. single year. Sometimes so it's like Spain yeah. for sometimes you. Sometimes it's yeah. lunch. Sometimes it's no. in the middle, like between lunch yeah. and dinner. Sometimes it's dinner. Now my wife gets up early. She gets up crack of dawn to get the turkey in the oven. My Parents have been started started uh, getting cooking and stuff yeah. yesterday. Really? See, yeah. if well, you're smart, my family. But I mean, the turkey doesn't go into the oven till tomorrow, dude. It's, you have to cook the turkey. Nah. Everybody knows you cook the turkey. You put it in the oven at, uh-huh. on Monday uh-huh. at only uh, at only ninety degrees, <laughs> no and way. then it cook no Monday, way. Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, and then it's ready. Thursday. I'm about to revolutionize everybody's Thanksgiving dinner. Really? Okay? Listen, okay. you're gonna say turkey fryer. You can thank me later. <laughs> no, rather. don't fry the turkey that's okay. nasty all right what, what, what is it you spatchcock the bird you do what you spatchcock it you, you cut the rib cage okay and you squash it and flatten it out uh-huh. and that reduces your cooking time what? significantly no, also but it doesn't look like a turkey well yeah there's that mm-hmm. but here's the other thing i'll say Brine the bird. Everybody's like, oh, turkey's so dry. I hate turkey. It's because you never brine it. If you brine it and you put these wonderful spices and oranges and stuff in there, it's going to taste amazing. <laughs> you brine it, spatchcock it, it's going to change your life. You have to, uh, you have to like, brutalize a dang turkey for it to, for it to taste good. We do intend to eat it. They're like, they're like you got to uh, crush it, marinate well, it, soak it, and I, uh, I then it might taste decent. When my wife gets up out of bed, uh, you know, middle of the night to get the turkey 
and I just my Riddle. only thought is, honey, can you be a little quieter? I'm trying to sleep here. Mm. Just like banging um, pots. <laughs> and, and also, can we have the turkey ready for for like a brunch time? Here's oh, a here's a, a Thanksgiving <laughs> tradition that y'all can start trying. Uh, get up early mm-hmm. and go to mass and give thanksgiving um, to God. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. What? Offer um, offer the holy mass, mm-hmm. not for any penitential mm-hmm. questions, any any questions, uh, any uh, contritions, huh. but instead just give thanks to God. Offer the, the now, you can do that. For All thanks. right. Uh, truth in advertising here. So I actually have made a critical decision about tomorrow's meal plan. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. Just for your family. For me personally. Okay. For the whole world. Mm, You're going to have gravy. I have You're going to have gravy. I knew on it. the carnivore diet now for going on four months. I have lost a lot of weight. True, truth, It's true. Praise be to God. Like almost 60 pounds. God is good. However, comma, uh, tomorrow uh, I may be, may be changing the menu up for tomorrow. Mm. Is that okay? I, I'll, I'm going to share exactly what my, my thinking is, my plan is, what I will probably eat in the after show with you. Uh, so join us in the after show, which you can find linked up on uh, all of our live video feeds. So, uh, you know, June, Yabara, Michelle, and uh, good morning to everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us today. And Sonia, I agree with you. San Antonio is the greatest city in the world. In, you know, some would say in spite of, but I would say in addition to the fact that I am from there, there are other reasons why it's also the greatest city it's in the world. It's despite the fact. Nah. It's Burbank the greatest city the in the world now that Joe is gone. <laughs> but nonetheless, now that Joe's in Houston. Nonetheless, uh, I'm going to be chatting with all of you in the after show. We'd love to get your thoughts on Thanksgiving, and you can comment directly in one of the live video feeds. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to join the conversation, and I will share with you if and when and what I shall do in order to break the carnivore thing all that coming up in the after show joining us right now via zoom chat is our good friend david elgray all the way from germany praise be to god good morning to you or in your case good afternoon to you david elgray yeah good good day gentlemen how's it going are, are you allowed to celebrate thanksgiving over there Do, i mean uh I, you're on a military base so i'm sure everybody's doing that on base but are you going to feel yeah. slightly guilty for celebrating a holiday that no one else is celebrating <laughs> How does that work? And it's going to be even worse because we're going to be in London. So, Oh, you're um, not even in Germany. <laughs> yeah. oh, Can you no. even get a turkey yeah. in London? Is that a thing there? Or you get goose? Uh, they, have, they, have in history, yeah, they have like a history of like anti-Thanksgiving. Like right. Here. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's going it's to be in a I guess we're going to go see um, Les Mis or Hamilton. One of those plays we're going to go see. Oh, really? Hang out, see what happens. Yeah. Thanksgiving. Okay. Celebrate the French okay. Revolution. I like okay. it. Well, <laughs> interesting go, angle. Sense. Interesting <laughs> angle. Praise be to God. Uh, do you have any favorite uh, turkey traditions, real quick? Anything that uh, you have done traditionally as a family on Thanksgiving Day? Definitely deep fried. This would be the first year we <laughs> haven't really deep fried a turkey. So inject it, um, brine it, as um, Rodolfo yeah. said, and um, and dip it in there and see what happens. Just don't do it inside your house. <laughs> <laughs> Bad things can happen, huh? Uh, well, it ought to be very good. But uh, you agree, though, that uh, do we give ourselves a pass for gluttony on this uh, occasion every year? Or, like, uh, so I'm so proud of you, man. 60 pounds is like 40 off of 100, man. That's like, <laughs> that's, that's a major accomplishment. Yeah. So like, I think you deserve to just 
Let it go. Take off your belt. <laughs> I've earned it, huh? Take, take off your belt. Put on some sweatpants and see what happens. Exactly. Yeah, we'll see. Friday, I'll need all those uh, all those clothes I kept in the closet. I'm going to need them all back. He lost uh, <laughs> six bowling balls <laughs> worth yeah, of weight. Exactly. Hey, let's uh, let's turn to something a little bit more serious. Uh, Catholic News Agency has an article out that says, FDA should limit access to dangerous chemical abortion drugs. Doctors are arguing in a lawsuit. And I think the, the lawsuit is brought to light just how Dangerous this stuff really is. What do you say, David O'Brien? Yeah. I mean, this this lawsuit that's um is filed on November 18th is in, out of the North District of Texas, where it's filed out, filed out by Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine. They're going against the US Food and Drug Administration. And they're arguing that the USDA they fast tracked these two abortion pills, these two drugs that we abortion pill is is two drugs. It's Progesterone and mis mis progesterone. Uh, Easy for you to say. Those. Easy for you to uh, say. Oh yeah. And so one of them, the, um, one of them, they what it does is that it it um one it, of them blocks progesterone, which yeah, one, basically yeah, keeps them, the baby alive. Yeah, and the other one the wants to wants to eject exactly. the the baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, starve it, then push it out. That's what it does. It cre- it creates a false. Um, um, contractions and pregnancies after the child has been starved to death. And so they're saying they fast-track these drugs. And the way they fast-tracked them was by saying that abortion is some type of illness and that there's some benefit towards um, creating this um, death and starvation and um, evacuating the child because of the illness. So it's a shocking lawsuit. It's revealing all types of information that we hadn't really considered and um, they're saying that the reason why it's fast-tracked also is because not only was it medically expedient, but that there was some sort of politics involved in their decision, which, you know, that doesn't surprise us. So, yeah, this is – we don't know where the lawsuit is going to go. The FDA is they're – they're definitely going to fight it. Um, the Biden administration is going to put all their weight behind uh, fighting this lawsuit. But uh, we'll, we'll see where this goes. You know, what's interesting, I think, about this story is – I think we we it gives us an opportunity to really highlight that Planned Parenthood's not dumb. They see that they have lost quite a bit of ground in the war uh, on abortion, as uh, obviously the Dobbs case has uh, been a huge victory for the pro-life cause. But they've shifted, and they shifted years ago, actually. They're trying to move away from abortions at a, at a clinic, one of their clinics, to sending pills out you know, sending the, uh, these abortion drugs out to, to women, specifically young women. And they've been in these schools now for many years trying to educate young people and corrupt their minds into thinking that abortion is somehow okay, but even normal and good for their life and for their future. And uh, how many women are, are going to be significantly harmed, not just emotionally, spiritually, but physically as well, as a result of taking these pills. And it just boggles the mind that so many people will just take these pills and not even question. Maybe this this lawsuit will help to educate. Yeah, and the lawsuit is saying that, Joe, that that they're they're saying that the FDA has not been testing the long-term effects of these two pills, what effect it's having on the bodies of the women who take them. So that's, that's another facet as well. And yes, Planned Parenthood, you know, they've been shifting and dodging and just keeping their foot in just eugenics. But also the medical industry, 
the the farms, the pharmaceuticals. Um, they're involved in this now. We know they were involved in a whole fentanyl thing. They're paying a the price for that. But they're also they have their hand in this, you know, making money uh, on this side of the um, um, child murder um, industry. And so here, I don't know how often this happens. I guess it's different in every state. But here, at least when I go to the base exchange, you just walk down just a typical aisle right next to the Skittles and the Wham Whams and Zoom Zooms. <laughs> you have this this um, this abortion yeah. Wow. Um, did you just just take off the shelf? I mean, it's right there next to the condoms and all that. I think I said That's Skittles crazy. and Wham but next to the condoms. Wow. Um, and so yeah, it is disgusting. That's really wild, David. You know, one of the things that was really surprising for us is we did a, an interview. I want to say like maybe two two or three months ago with this woman who also talked about the the effects of the the, the abortion pills that they're having on the water supply because, you know, the women are taking the pill, they're taking they're taking the bill, and then I'm not going to go into the details, but it ends up in our water supply, the, the you know, the, the body of the, the, the children. And the drugs. And the drugs. Uh, have you heard about any of this? Yeah, yeah. I've read some, I don't know, how, you know, you, it's hard to find scientific studies like this because this, the, yeah, this no is, one's uh, talking about it. Uh, it's, it's, it, 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 it can get, I mean, there's consequences to, to this whole thing saying that, the board of patients are in the water that we drink, mm -hmm. but you know, there's been some reports out saying that this is potentially the cause of a lot of the things that we're seeing in society today, as far as, you know, cancers and uh, yeah. even, even psychological issues with people thinking they're uh, one gender and they're not, you know, the whole homosexuality rage. I mean, it's, it's, you know, but you have to wonder drugs are in our water and what effect does that have? Yeah, for sure. Uh, part of the article says here the plaintiffs also pointed out to the fact that the FDA has progressively rolled back safeguards on the abortion pill. For example, the FDA in 2016 extended the permissible gestational age of the baby to be killed in the abortion from 7 to 10 weeks, increasing as studies have demonstrated the risk of complications for the mother. And again, I just think, college U.S., these are supposed to be well-educated people, smart people, the, you know, and yet they're, they seem to be downplaying these risks involved. And is this all in the name of making money? I mean, I just follow the money, right? There, this, uh, this pharmaceutical industry is a billion-dollar-plus business. And uh, do they care at all about the deep and lasting impact on the lives of these women that they're pushing these drugs on? Yeah, at first when this that's when these pills were something that you just get prescribed, that 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 was one thing, of course. But but by the fact that now they're just, they're in the drugstores, you can get them without a prescription. This is a industry that the pharmaceuticals they're it's just all eugenics with a profit. That's that's all it is. That's the difference between Margaret Sanger and what's going on now. It's eugenics with a profit. Mm, mm. Well, uh, I encourage everybody to check out this article. It's linked up at catholicnewsagency.com. The FDA should limit access to dangerous chemical abortion drugs, doctors argue in lawsuit. I would also leave it with this as well as we're running out of time with David O'Gray. Uh, parents, pay attention. Uh, Planned Parenthood's plan is to be able to text directly with your child so that they could ask over text message to get some of these drugs mailed to any address they provide so you want to be careful if you're in a state where where this has not been completely blocked. Some states have, some states haven't. 
really pay attention to this because this could be a very serious thing in the life of your teenager in uh, in these days. David O'Gray, God bless you, my friend. Enjoy uh, whatever it is you're going to do in London. I don't know what people do in London these days, but <laughs> but as a yeah, jet setter, survive. As the great man of mystery, are you? Hold on, are you auditioning for the new James Bond role? What? Oh my goodness, how did you know? You heard it here first, people. David O'Gray as Bond. James Bond. I would watch that. 007. (laughs) Look at that look. I see you, buddy. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving to you, David. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. Hey, coming up after this quick break, it's time to play our game show, Fury and Trembling. And today's the day we give out prizes you could win. We're going to draw a name today, 877-757-9424. Why do Catholics call Mary the Queen of Heaven? Doesn't God rebuke the Israelites in the Old Testament for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven? Should we not refer to Mary with that title, therefore, since it's a title of a false god? In Jeremiah 7, verse 18, God is indeed upset with the Israelites for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven. However, just because God rebuked them for worshiping the false Queen of Heaven doesn't mean that we cannot pay honor to the true Queen of Heaven, the Blessed Mother. That type of thinking would lead you to believe that just because people worship a false god that they call God, we therefore should not call the true God by that same name, God, because that's the same name the idolaters use for their God. That is faulty logic and it makes no sense whatsoever. Again, the fact that there is a false queen of heaven does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false goddess when we call Mary the queen of heaven. Just as the fact that there is a false god does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false god when we call our Father in heaven God. And there is a true queen of heaven. We see this quite clearly in Revelation 12 verse 1. And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Let's see. There's a woman. She's in heaven. And she has a crown on her head. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the cleaning lady. No, it's the true queen of heaven, Mary, the mother of the male child who is to rule the nations. We do not worship Mary. We honor her just as Jesus honors her. So there is absolutely nothing wrong from a scriptural point of view in calling Mary the queen of heaven and in honoring her just as Jesus honors her. After all, if Jesus is the king, then Mary is truly the queen mother of heaven. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas. And I'm neither fearing or trembling now because today's the day we're going to give up the prizes because we're not going to be here tomorrow or Friday. We do have great content lined up for you, by the way. So you should still tune in. But we are going to be off tomorrow for the next few days. So we thought we'd give out the prize today, and we're very excited to do so. There are still, though... Nonetheless, things we like to do on the down low, on the QT, quiet light, keep it between us, all right? 
So uh, pretend as though we're like Facebook and Twitter collaborating on the, ba- on the back end for censorship. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. All right. Number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we look for, uh, you know, opportunities to laugh, to have a good time, to chuckle. And our callers laugh with us, and we appreciate that most, I'd say. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which is just a brilliant move on our part because it forces you to participate either in learning, laughing, or winning. Praise be to God. But the kicker is, the secret sauce in all of this is, we don't ask our callers the questions. They could still get the correct uh, answers, even though they don't know the answers, because I'm going to ask Adrian, I'm going to ask Rudy. One of them will have a correct answer, the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock. they got to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then once they get that right, they go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God, this week we, the Catholic Drive Time team, are sponsoring the game show. We're going to put together a wonderful prize pack that we're going to be sending out, hopefully, at the end of the week. But uh, the winner today Mm -hmm. is going to get it. Mm -hmm. Now, we have uh, just three days to play, so your chances are pretty good today. Amazingly good. calls in. So, uh, praise be to God, we're putting that together, and uh, we'll get it out to you. Wow. Well, can I just thank Catholic Drive Time? You guys, I just want to thank Catholic You guys Drive are just Time. so amazing. Catholic Drive Time, giving us prizes You're to welcome. give away to our audience. You, oh, man. <laughs> just, you, not only are you, you good guys looking, are so cool. are go you out wise? there and support Catholic Drive Time today man. and uh, yeah. our Christmas Shurathon <laughs> in two weeks. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. Hey, Mr. Jude, how are you? Wonderful. Praise be to God. Mr. Jude, it's good to hear your voice. We haven't heard you in a long time. How are you, sir? Uh, Another day in paradise, you know? Yeah. Although people don't often equate paradise and Houston, Texas, all in the same sentence, but nonetheless, we're glad you're on today. Now, are you are were you and are you an Astros fan? Are you are you pretty thrilled that the Astros won the World Series? Yeah, I, I, man, I asked them, man, I like, I like them. I appreciated their win the other time, and I celebrated that, you know? Praise be to God. Speaking of celebrations, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Are you ready for that, Mr. Jude? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, anything special on the menu besides turkey? Oh, yeah. My daughter is going to prepare some things for brunch, you know, after Ooh. church. We we'll, we we'll go to church with the with some food, uh, you know, blessings, and when we come back, we we descend on those things, you know. Nice, awesome. What time? Uh, what time should uh, should I arrive? I'm just curious. What time should I be there for this brunch that you speak of? <laughs> mm. Oh yeah, so, you, you, I come in. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Praise be to God, Mr. Jude. I know you know the yeah. rules. We're going to get started. We have we have the prize to give away today, so we're so you have a good chance at this. We're going to start with Mr. Rudy Carlos first, uh, who is doing the Steve Jobs thing again. Um, no tie, <laughs> turtleneck. <laughs> I like turtles. Okay. Uh, Mr. Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning. Are you ready? I am ready. Are you sure? I was born for this. Uh, Steve Jobs said the same thing. Really? Interesting. Noticing a correlation. What if I do this? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Could you tell me which saint is referred to as golden-mouthed? 
Golden Mouthed. That would be King David. Really? King David. Yeah. Mind blown. King David. Yeah, he was musically, like musically, or uh, you know, uh-huh. talented, talented, skilled, leaning towards good aptitude. Yeah, he was good. Got it. Okay, okay. King David, you say? Uh, let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, um, some would say that you have an expertise in mouthing things. Uh, could you tell me which saint is referred to as golden mouthed? I have no idea what you mean. Though uh, mm. so the answer to the question mm-hmm. is Saint John Chrysostom. Really? Mm-hmm. He is known Saint as John. the Golden Mouthed or okay. the Golden Tongued. Really? Mm-hmm. It's a, it could be used either way. He was known as both. Okay, Mr. Jude, you got options here. Who was the saint that was Golden Mouthed? Was it Saint John Chrysostom, as Adrian said, or was it King David, as Rudy suggested? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Mr. Jude in H Town, what say you? Yeah. Survey says. Way to go, Mr. Jude. You know, Mr. Jude just got wiser. He just got smarter. He got taller, stronger, younger. It's amazing. All these things happen when you go with Adrian. He can run an eight-minute mile. All these things happen. Now, I I should point out, he never said Adrian is correct. He just said St. John Christmas. Yeah, but it was implied. (laughs) Was it implied? I don't know if it was implied. But nonetheless, you are right, Mr. Jude. St. John Christmas is the correct answer. Uh, he is a uh, golden mouth or golden tongued. So uh, you're in the cup. You could win. Let's see if we can't double your chances. This is a historical, uh, a United States historical question. Ooh. We're going to go to Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me? Yes, I can. Who may attend movies that were classified with an A3 rating? An A3. Is that like a like a different kind of sauce? You have your A1 sauce. This is your your A3 sauce. It it must mean it's better. Mm. I mean, more is better. I'm going to have the A3 sauce with my turkey tomorrow. No, no, I'm just kidding. Those who uh, have movies classified as A3, Mm -hmm. only adults can attend. Really? Mm -hmm. Adults only? Only adults. Uh, All right. Mm. Okay. Uh, Rudy, let's see what you have to say here. Could you tell me who may attend movies that were classified with an A3? Three rating. Okay, the only people who could attend movies with an A3 rating were people who were born on a day with a three in them. Because back in the what? day, the theaters used to be really small, and I they see. had to like you know they had oh. to ration it out. You oh. couldn't have fifty people showing up I to see. a twelve seat theater. So they had to be born. They had on to a be day born exactly with a three in them. Exactly. Involved. So like yes. on the third or the thirteenth or the twenty third yes. or the forty third or the thirty third. Thirty third. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> okay. All right. So Mr. Jude, who may attend movies classified with the A three? This goes back to the League of Decency. It's it's gone now, unfortunately. But nonetheless, who can attend these movies classified with an A three? Was it adults born with a three in their birth date or was it just adults as adrian says 15 seconds on the clock who's right who's wrong mr jude what say you the adult survey said wow. <laughs> <laughs> i can't hear that i can't i heard i heard adrian is he right he never That's what I heard. said your name i heard adrian is right that's how i heard it never mentioned it <laughs> I, sorry I, I think he said adrian mm. is correct he said adults uh, the dynamic correct. equivalence translation is Adrian is correct. He said, quote, adults. And if close you, quotes, and if you, 
translate that over to the Greek and mm-hmm. into the Hebrew, I and then from uh, the Hebrew really? into the Latin, mm. and the Latin into the Spanish, uh-huh. and then the Spanish into the English. Yeah. It translates to Adrian is correct. I don't know that that's right, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, he is correct. Adults is the correct answer. We should make the oh, League yeah. of Decency great again, I'd say. I agree. That'd be awesome. But you're in for two, Mr. Jude. You're doing great. Third question. Right. I'm going to be honest with Mr. Mr. Jude. This next question, the, easily the hardest question we've had all day. Hey. <sighs> let's take a deep breath and let's ask this question to Rudy. Rudy? Mm-hmm. Okay. What term is given to a prayer with an with alternate alternate petitions or responses okay all right with alternate petitions or responses okay that is a litany a litany it's a litany you're just gonna go with the litany yeah you're just gonna go just litany all right. Um, just let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, we're running out of time here. But what term is given to a prayer that has alt- alternate petitions or responses? That is called a chaplet. Uh, a chaplet? A, well, I, I guess if you want to pronounce it in the alfuranche. <laughs> it's a chaplet. You're going to go with chaplet. Go with chaplet. <laughs> All right, Mr. Jude, a little too on the nose in this last one here. But is it, as Adrian says, a chaplet? Or is it, as Rudy suggests, a litany? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mr. Jude in Houston, Texas. What say you, good sir? Survey says... Perfect score. Mr. Jude, you are amazing. Litany is correct. All right, we're running out of time here. I'm going to just pick one right off the top. And Mr. Jude! Mr. Jude! What is going on? Let's go! Mr. Jude, congratulations. Happy Thanksgiving to you, sir. Thanks for playing our game again. Good to hear your voice. I'll I'll make sure to show up nice and early there, waiting for you to get back from church for Thanksgiving. Stay on the line. For the beautiful food. Stay on the line. Don't go anywhere. Hey, we're going to go into the after show, and I'm going to share with you what I will actually be eating tomorrow. Do I break my fast? What do you think? Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Today we celebrate the memorial of Blessed Miguel Augustine Pro. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers, for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio, and we welcome in a special way the religious missionaries of St. Dominic. Come thou almighty King, help us thy name to sing, help us to praise. Father all glorious, or all victorious, come and reign over us, ancient of days. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Our God and Father, who conferred upon your servant, blessed Miguel Augustine Pro, the grace of ardently seeking your greater glory and the salvation of others, grant through his intercession and example that by faithfully and joyfully performing our daily duties and effectively assisting those around us, we may serve you with zeal and ever seek your glory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, saw in heaven another sign great and awe-inspiring, seven angels with the seven last plagues, for through them God's fury is accomplished. Then I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. On the sea of glass were standing those who had won the victory over the beast and its image and the number that signified its name. They were holding God's harps, and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and wonderful are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, or glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great and wonderful, wonderful are all your works, Lord, mighty God. Great and wonderful are all your works, Lord, mighty God. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds. His right hand has won the victory for him, his holy arm. Great and wonderful are all your works, Lord, mighty God. The Lord has made his salvation known. In the sight of the nations, he has revealed his justice. He has remembered his kindness and his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. Great and wonderful are your works, Lord mighty God. Let the sea and what fills it resound, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, the mountains shout with them for joy. Great and wonderful are all your works, Lord mighty God. Before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to rule the earth. 
He will rule the world with justice and the peoples with equity. Great and wonderful are all your works, Lord mighty God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Remain faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Jesus said to the crowd, They will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons. And they will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead to your giving testimony. Remember you are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking, that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance you will secure your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We are going through the, the last few days of the liturgical year, also the month of November, when we call to mind the, the holy souls, and we think of our own, our own death and, and being prepared for it. And also we have this batch of martyrs that we're, we're looking at, and we're reading, taking these readings of the apocalypse. And the question comes up, well, why is there so much? It seems like there's the first reading, there's all this, this suffering at the end of time. Well, it, this is also true for the end of each person's life. That, like St. Cecilia yesterday, Blessed Miguel Pro, uh, you know, Saint Pope St. Clement, and then tomorrow we have uh, St. Andrew Dung Lac and Companions in Vietnam. Why do, why do we suffer so much at the end of our life? It's because... God wants to prepare us for being in heaven. And when we, we get to heaven, we have a certain participation in divine beatitude they call merit. And God wants us to have greater glory. This is what was the, one of the things, the, the Christeros of Blessed Miguel, that talked about greater glory to God uh, and, and suffering for his name. And there was a, quite a bit. In fact, uh, I think Pope St. John Paul canonized 113 in one, one sitting, but there's a lot more, uh, a lot more than just those 113. But, but this was a whole culture of people that recognized that God is glorified by how much we love. And love is only increased, sad to say it, by suffering. And so when, at the end of life, when we have that, t that final, final preparation, um, it's God's having mercy on us preparing us because he wants us to have more eternal participation in divine beatitude. And, you know, this life lasts a very short time, 70 or 80 for those who are strong, or 90 even for those who are stronger. But the truth is that we cannot, we cannot increase that merit. Um, St. Padre Pio said there's only three ways of 
prayer, love, works of mercy, or almsgiving, and suffering. Those are the only three ways we can, we can grow in that kind of merit. So it is an act of mercy or for God to prepare, not us only individually, but collectively in the apocalypse. The reason why the earth has to be cleansed through suffering is because God is preparing the whole world. He will be preparing the whole world uh, for suffering. And just one note of caution, uh, it, you know, while it's good that we recognize we can interpret our times by the word of God, what's also nice is that it's not our times. Every time, Pope St. Clement's time, Blessed Miguel Pro's time in the 1920s, and our time, we all are marked by this kind of suffering. Uh, for that reason, you don't want to say that, oh, now this, these, are, these are the end times right now, uh, because these times are the hardest, and of course Jesus wants to, you know, he'll come back soon, because every generation of time has thought that was the end times. Uh, you, you know, so it's wonderful that we interpret the word of God according to our generation, but it's also wonderful not to, to say that we're just like everybody else, we're just like every other point in time, and they've been persecuting the saints from day one, and they will keep on persecuting the saints, and the Holy Spirit will continue to cleanse and protect and guide the church until the end of the age. Amen. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may shine forth the holiness of Jesus Christ to the nations. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the sick, the suffering, the poor, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for all the souls in purgatory, especially those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, evermore his praises sing. Alleluia, alleluia, praise the everlasting King. Praise him for his grace and favor to his people in distress. Praise him still the same as ever, slow to chide and swift to bless. Alleluia, alleluia, glorious in his faithfulness. Father, like he tends and spares us, well our feeble frame he knows. In his hand he gently bears us, rescues us from all our foes. 
Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Sanctify our offerings by your blessing, O Lord, we pray. And by your grace, may we be set afire with the flame of your love, through which blessed Miguel Pro overcame every bodily torment through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for the blood of your blessed martyr, Miguel Pro, poured out like Christ to glorify your name, shows forth your marvelous works, by which in our weakness you perfect your power, and on the feeble bestow strength to bear you witness through Christ our Lord. And so with the powers of heaven we worship you constantly on earth, and before your majesty without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, 
Michael, our bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Proceptis salutaribus moniti, et divin institutioni formati, audehemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, piat voluntas tua, Sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et emite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos demitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Adios Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Adios Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, my soul shall be. Communion Antiphon. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, says the Lord.
an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, how can I love thee as I ought? And how reveal this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought? Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Had I but Mary sinless heart with which to love the dearest King. Oh, with what bursts of fervent praise thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Thy body, soul, and cannot compass all I have, for all thou hast and art is mine. Sweet sacrament, we thee adore, oh, make us love thee Sacrament, we thee adore. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. May the sacred mysteries of which we have partaken, O Lord, we pray, 
Give us that determination which made your blessed martyr Miguel Pro faithful in your service and victorious in suffering through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. to the holiest in the height and in the depth be praise in all his words most wonderful most sure in all his ways O loving wisdom of our God when all was sin and shame, a second Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. O wisest love that flesh and blood which did in Adam fail, should strive afresh against their foe, should strive and should prevail. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, this is Joseph Earthman from St. Teresa.